Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. If you're anything like me, your health is very important to you. I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Well, I have some great news for you. James Miller Lifeology has partnered with BioOptimizers Nutrition. As an avid nutrition and exercise enthusiast, I thought I knew a lot. But after taking a 12-week health course BioOptimizers offers and implementing their supplements, I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract. Since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio, BioOptimizers is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance, health, and longevity. How to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings. How to select the most powerful supplements for you. How to stay lean and trim without sacrifice. The simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin. And much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you use your life's failures to help you overcome your mountain of struggles. I'll also be interviewing adventurer Jamie Clark, who shares his inspirational story of climbing Mount Everest four times and how he uses his own adventures to help him find success. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Overcoming your mountain of struggle. In everything we do, there's a lesson. We can look back on really relevant times in our life and be able to pinpoint the exact lesson we learned about life. And in life, we have the option to determine what we experience. Is it going to be a stepping stone or a stumbling block? Whatever you're experiencing right now, and we're all experiencing some different degree of struggle, but when you look at what you're experiencing, if you feel like it's a mountain that's insurmountable, that you can't overcome it, it's really necessary and vital that you look back on different times in your life when you felt the same way. It doesn't mean that what you're experiencing now is what you experienced in the past, but what you did experience in the past are the same emotions. For example, fear, worry, doubt, uncertainty, shame, guilt, whatever it is you're experiencing now, look back at a time when you felt that way before and how did you overcome it? Because you did overcome it. So it's always important for us to look at our life and say, if I don't know what to do now, when I felt this way before, and you have felt this way before, what did you do? And you did something to help you move beyond it. Remember, life is like a river. The current is always moving. So you're always going to grow and develop 
The great thing about it though is you get to decide how quickly that current moves in your life. And the more life lessons you learn and the more reflection you have helps you make more methodical decisions which move you closer towards your destiny, towards your long-term goals. One of the most important things to do is to check in with yourself. And what I mean by that is simply this. When you look at your life, you want to say, is this going in the direction towards my long-term goal? Because did you realize every small thing you do leads to the next thing? And so if you're running around doing things that are the opposite of a life that you'd like, well, after a while, those small little steps turn into a habit. That habit turns into a lifestyle. That lifestyle is opposite from where you want to go. So when you can have these daily check-ins or just daily reflections to say, am I moving towards the person I want to become? For example, if you want to be healthier, well, you shouldn't stay up all night. That's obvious. But if you continually do that every night, stay up later and later, then unfortunately that's going against your health. That goes against your sleep. That goes against so many vital things that our body needs. And so that is the opposite of being a healthier person. That's a very simple example, but it's one to really think about. Because if you want to increase your finances, if you want to increase your education, if you want to increase different areas in your life, every small little step is going to get you there closer and closer. But if you're fighting against yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice. So it's important to check in with yourself and say, what's going on in my life? right now? Is this a person I want to become? And when you have that purpose, that understanding, you use it to filter every decision you make. And every decision you make leads you closer and closer to the person you want to become and to achieve your goals. So it's really important, whatever you're experiencing now, you can overcome that by looking at what you've done before, because you did do something before to overcome those emotions, which then gave you the clarity of mind to find a viable solution for whatever it is you're struggling with. So you're much closer to ascending that mountain than you think. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Jamie Clark is a Canadian adventurer, author, filmmaker, inspirational speaker, and business leader. Jamie has summited Mount Everest twice, climbed the Seven Summits, and ridden camels across the empty quarter of Arabia. Jamie is a sought-after business and adventurer speaker who has addressed audiences around the world for companies such as IBM, Audi, Kraft, The Wall Street Journal, and Intel. He is going to share his adventurous life with us today. Welcome to my show, Jamie. Well, James, thank you for having me. Yes, it's such a pleasure. When I was reading the information that you had sent me, I was so blown away. I mean, this you're not someone who's done the average adventurous things, quote unquote adventurous <laughs> things that most people do. So this is going to be fascinating to hear all this crazy, amazing things that you've done. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join with us today. Well, my pleasure. I think, you know, without sounding corny, you know, we're all adventurers in our own way. So I'm sure uh, it's as much honor for me to be talking with you as it is for you to talk with me. So thanks for having me. <laughs> well, thank you. I really do appreciate that. So now from where are you calling us today? I am uh, born and raised in Calgary, Canada, which is where I am right now. And, and it's kind of an ideal place for me because it's uh, close to some of the greatest mountains on the planet. So uh, I'm a Canadian boy and, and calling from my hometown. That is awesome. A little bit of backstory my, about me, just real, real quickly. I, I don't think a lot of my listeners know this, but my parents actually had a fishing resort in Canada. So 
from the time I was four until I was 21. Um, actually, I was up there until I was 18. Half the year was up there in Canada and Western Ontario above Minnesota. We got to fly in by float plane. It was very, very remote. We just had a generator just for a few hours. And then the other half of the year, I'd be in the United States. So I lived all across the United States, uh, going to different schools. But it was such an interesting juxtaposition for me to go in where there's no electricity, where moose are running through your front yard, they see bear everywhere, and then you come back to the States. And so now I suppose I'm a city boy. But at the time when I grew up, it was very different. So I have a little bit of an interesting story, I suppose, that's uh, a little bit different from others. But it is just an interesting little backstory uh, myself that many people don't know. <laughs> That's a great story. That sounds like uh, content for a whole nother uh, podcast from you about that. No guests and you just should talk about that experience. I bet it's awesome. That's a good idea. That's funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, as an adventure for yourself, how did you know? I mean, how did you recognize that you had this adventurous spirit? I think it, it, for me, as a, if I look back as a young boy, it was really fostered by my mom. I was pretty mm-hmm. lucky as a, a young lad to have a mom who instilled in me not only the belief that all was possible, that's sort of that false placard, you can do anything, mm-hmm. because she had the qualifier, you could do anything if you work very, very, very hard. Uh, that's a big and, statement, yeah. Yeah, that combination was a, a wonderful ingredient that I could bake up something in my life with. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it then also came from her in terms of books that she gave me, uh, Christmas and uh, birthdays and other holiday gifts around my house uh, always came with some sort of a book as well as a game and chocolate and everything yeah. else. But it was, there was always a book. And mine uh, over time tended to be books about adventures. And wow. I think my mom was trying to plant that seed. I think she later regretted it, though, James, because <laughs> I took it maybe too literally, and she panicked a bit when I said, "Hey, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest." And I bet. Get those books back. <laughs> that is hysterical. So it really started from reading. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, obviously, that's the foundation. I mean, it opens, expands your worldview in such an amazing way. So I'm so glad that she was able to do that. Also, the additional piece that goes with that is, is if you work hard. And I think that's where many people don't realize that anything you do only comes with how much work you put into it. You know, you think of a bank account, you could only take out as much money as you put into it. And that's the same type of thing when it comes to hard work. I am. That's a great analogy, because it really is something that, you know, you, you cash those checks later in life when you're uh, getting a return on the investment of the effort, right? Yes. You didn't become a composer overnight. You sat in there and slugged it out. Uh, on the side of mountains, I slugged it out in, in preparation and training. And then you can cash checks later when you need them in terms of performing. So you're That's right. exactly right. Yes. Uh, just real quickly, and we'll jump ahead into the future here, uh, to the present now. But tell me, uh, as a boy, were you different from your peers? I mean, obviously, and I'm going to stereotype boys here, but often boys like to play. They're adventurous. They do silly things or dangerous things. Did you find that you were kind of an outlier with that? I, I was a bit of an odd character in some ways because I was very focused on, uh, I had a goal to climb wow. Mount Everest at an early age. Wow. Uh, so I was maybe fortunate in that regard, slightly obsessed at times indeed. Um, but I wasn't ever really in into thrill seeking or danger seeking for the thrill of it like some of my friends were, which mm-hmm. was, it's almost counterintuitive where buddies would want to go downtown and scale a building that was under construction and climb out on out on the scaffolding and, and then run from the police. Absolute moronic <laughs> behavior. Uh, and, and I would tag along and then I'll sometimes bail because I'm like, oh, this is this doesn't make any sense. Mm. So it, I'm not I was never and continue not to be interested in dangerous things because of the thrill. Um, it, it, in fact, the dangerous thing. I enjoy it because it leads to accountability, but it's not about adrenaline. 
Oh, interesting. So it sounds like yours is very, very methodical, if I can use a prosaic term in that respect, that you were methodical about what you did because you were looking to accomplish a goal as opposed to doing something on a whim. Yeah, I think the goal happened to be dangerous and therefore mm-hmm. you needed a process, you needed to be mm-hmm. methodical, you needed to be thoughtful. I think also as a, as a young kid interested in adventure, interested in climbing where the unfortunate outcome can be death. Mm. I, I grew up with a bit of a proximity to, to death. I mean, I'm, I'm wonderfully, we hope in life we're, we're never visited by it often. Sure, of course. Whether by loved ones or an, an animal, a pet or something. And uh, and, and if, if we're lucky in life, we don't have to have those kinds of experiences early on. But climbing allowed me to contemplate my own morality, my own mortality, mm. um, because the books you read often involved someone dying, or the books you read uh, certainly involved people pondering the question of their mortality. And as sure. a result of that, I think I kind of I grew up with a. I wouldn't say a deeper appreciation because I don't mean that in comparison, but a, a very deep appreciation for life and mm. its proximity to death. Sure. Well, I think it also comes with an existential process as well. For my listeners who don't know what that means, an existentialism is essentially what is my purpose? What is my meaning? What's the meaning of life? And I think when yeah. you are in a position where you do are, are maybe more in danger, more in a position that's greater than your everyday mundane life, obviously climbing Mount Everest is something that most people don't do. And so with that, you really look at your mortality and your the meaning of life for oneself. Mm-hmm. And what's wonderful about it, I find too, is that climbing is an absolutely trivial a waste of time. It really is a silly endeavor. Mm-hmm. It simultaneously mm-hmm. means nothing. And then for you and those involved, it means everything. Mm-hmm. And to your point, um, you're on the side of a mountain caught in a storm, sitting in your tent for three days. Uh, you've eaten all your food. You've burned up all your fuel. Everyone has read the one book you had cut up into chunks three or four times, and you just have to wait out the storm. And inevitably, you end up asking those questions, the ones that you just wow. articulated. And there's no escaping it. I'm, and I'm not, I don't think by design, I was, I'm a deep thinker. I just think I've been stuck in spots <laughs> where there was nothing else to do other than think deeply. And yeah. uh, I'm all the better for it. Wow, that's that's very, very inspirational. So let's jump ahead to climbing Mount Everest. I mean, you said as a little boy, you've always wanted to do that. You know, we've we've seen uh, we've seen the movies about that. You know, we've read about that. But I, I can't even imagine, first off, how cold that is and how how much energy you literally have to expend when you're doing that. So tell us a little bit about that. The undertaking of, of an expedition like that is a really, it's a monstrous challenge for certain, and it requires a, a boatload of preparation and planning, mm-hmm. and not just in the weeks or months, but really years in advance. To, to acquire the skill, I think it's a more of a lifetime pursuit. Uh, I have a tremendous respect for the great climbers on the planet, many of whom can climb circles around me, uh, and and the effort they put in. It isn't really something that you can shortcut. So you do have to put in uh, the days, the weeks, the months, logging hundreds and hundreds of days in the mountains before Mm -hmm. you'd want to undertake something like Everest. And Everest really is uh, a, a wonderful icon of achievement. It's a monster of a mountain. And I don't think is more people climb it that doesn't devalue the currency of that adventure whatsoever. It's very hard. Uh, systems have improved. I can't imagine. Sure. Yeah. Supports have improved. You could argue maybe it's easier in some ways to climb the mountain because of all the new information and, and some of the new technology. 
That said, you have to take those steps. You have to face the cold. You have to manage your fear. Uh, it, it is uh, it's shockingly difficult, but wonderfully rewarding. As hard as it is, it's uh, equal or maybe even twofold as rewarding. Well, I think regardless of how many support you have as far as technology and, and whatnot, the point is, though, you have to be the one to walk up that mountain or climb that mountain. So it doesn't matter how many what the infrastructure is, or excuse me, the, the ancillary things that help you or support you, you have to be the one to take that step. You have to be the one to find that motivation, to find that tenacity, that resilience, to put one more foot in front of the other. Yeah, and I can't tell you that maybe my whole life has been infused as, mm. as a business person, as a, an entrepreneur, uh, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, hopefully as a brother, as a son, and all the hats Mm -hmm. that we that we wear as just a citizen on this planet um i i used to kind of think wow well, climbing mountains that's you know borderline useless forget about it the value is more egomaniacal but honestly there doesn't there isn't a day that goes by especially as a parent my kids are teenagers so it's pretty crazy right now <laughs> that I don't, yeah, my son wonderful guy is 17 and my lovely daughter's 14 but they're both crazy and uh, <laughs> And I, I tell you, I, what I learned as a leader on the side of a mountain, I use those lessons in the boardroom. I nice. use them at the kitchen table. Uh, it's infused uh, every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. And much of it comes down to, in, in the simplest form, the determination, the resilience uh, to take another step, to just yes. never give up. Because in those worst of times in our life, when there's, you know, home meltdowns and all sorts of craziness going on and, and teenage struggles, uh, um, reminding yourself that, you know, like a bad storm or altitude sickness, this too shall pass mm -hmm. and just staying the course and not crumbling. Um, I don't know if I could have the strength to face uh, life because it can certainly be challenging if I wasn't beaten up on the side of mountains. So I feel yes. very lucky that way. Wow. Go some character. Yes. Once again, that's very, very inspiring. You know, we, in the moments when you felt like I literally can't take another step. What was it that made you take another step and mm -hmm. then another step? It's a little game I play with myself. <laughs> That's weird, but it's a little game I play, which is uh, I acknowledge that it's difficult is the first thing. And mm -hmm. I used to never do yes. this. I used to get well, self-validation, sure. Yeah, to, to just give myself the credit. This is hard. You know, historically, I'd say, well, it's only hard for me. It's not hard for others. It's only hard for me because I'm weak. It's only hard for mm. me because I'm prepared. I kind of beat myself up when I was suffering through something, both physically and mentally or emotionally. Sure. What I've learned over time is that uh, that's not fair and that doesn't help yourself. You got to be, you have to be kind to yourself and yeah, I got to be hard. I, I believe that sort of the, the tough love and the soft love works on self as well. I totally agree with you. Yes, that's right, Jamie. Yep. <laughs> so I'm there going, Hey, this is hard. And I will grant you that, that this is hard and you really want to quit. And maybe quitting is the right thing to do so that I can, I know this sounds crazy, but now I'm having this conversation with myself. Because sometimes quitting is the right thing to do, mm -hmm. quitting a, a destructive relationship, an abusive job or, or a boss at an abusive job. Sure. I, you know, there are places when we need to quit. That doesn't mean we won't begin anew. Mm -hmm. That means we won't change course and continue on. But in that moment, we need to quit. Uh, and, and often in our culture, we think, oh, well, quitting is the last thing you should do. No, sometimes it is the right thing you should do. And so I grant myself that, yep, this is hard. And maybe you should quit because you're either taking on too much risk or you're doing damage to your body mm -hmm. or yourself. 
then the next question is, if you do quit, the pain will go away. But then you're going to have to think back on this moment, and if it's a big moment for the rest of your life, and wondering, did I quit too soon? Uh. And so that little question, as long as I know the answer to that very clearly, then I give myself permission to quit mm. and back off. And then there's no regret. There's no doubt. I mean, there's disappointment for certain, but I, I you know, prepare well, temporary. Sure. And, and, and try again. Most often, I ask myself, okay, do you want to quit? This is uncomfortable. The pain will stop. And you'll, I'll answer, yeah, but then if I quit now, I'm going to wonder what if mm. forever. That dull ache that comes with having yes. given up. And I don't want that dull ache. I'd rather push a little bit harder here just to know one way or the other. And then whatever the outcome is, there will be peace. It's the short so, term versus the long term. Yeah, exactly. So I, I did that last night out in, in a small way uh, out for I was out fat biking, which is something uh, in northern parts of uh, the continent we do in the winter. It's basically a mountain bike with a really big, fat, wide mm -hmm. front tire that you can ride through the snow. And it was cold and my fingers were cold. My hands were cold and I was hungry. And I, I knew I wanted to ride for 90 minutes and I'd only ridden about an hour and five and I was bumpy <laughs> and I had a thousand excuses why I should go home and cut the workout short. Plus I had to do some intervals to finish it. I wanted to raise my heart rate and oh, I was such a wimp. And I just said, hey, dude, maybe you need to take a break. Maybe you've been overtraining. You need to relax. Yeah. And what's better for you right now is more of a recovery workout. And then I went through the process. And I'm like, nah, you're just being <laughs> soft. Get in there and dig into those intervals, you big goof. And pounded them out. And I felt so, when I got home and stood in the shower, I was more proud of the mental effort mm. to stick it out than, than the physical effort that, you know, 175 beat per minute that my uh, aging body felt. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but you do, but, I, but I think it's so important because when we can separate between what our body feels like and what our emotions are. So if my body is physically ill, well, obviously it can't do it. But if my emotions or my mind are telling me something and then my body follows through, well, I've set myself up to be disappointed because my body can physically do it. It's just my emotions and my thoughts are telling me I can't. I really like to have people differentiate between those two things. So I always have people do scales on a scale of one to 10, what your body feel like, your physical body feel like, and what are your thoughts and your emotions that day? Because if you think it's one or the other, it's not. And so therefore, if you wake up really ill, then obviously, yeah, stay in bed. But if you wake up in a really bad mood and you're depressed and you stay in bed, well, you're doing yourself a disservice because your body can do all the, the things it's supposed to do that day. That's very well framed. I really like that. Well, and thank I think you. that that helps make sense in my mind of it because I know that for most challenges in life, and, and, the, and the ratio is unfair to make some percentage, but a huge chunk of it is the mental Yes, chunk. yes. It's really cool because in psychology, we think, you know, the way it works is whatever we perceive to be true determines what our emotions are. Our emotions then tell our body what to do through the biochemical aspect. And so it creates all these neurotransmitters and all these things happen, which then tell our body to do something. So that's how the energy is created. So if people are pacing all the time or they're yelling and screaming, it's just because it is a physical manifestation of the emotionality that one experiences based off of one's thoughts. And so it's really kind of cool how it all works together. And I'm always fascinated because half the time I'm like, whoa, James, it's just simply your perspective. Change your perspective. You know, think of your life as a Rubik's Cube. Look at it in all different sides instead of just that one side. And then I'm like, oh, well, it's not so bad. I, I can get through this. <laughs> yeah, that's the great thing, isn't it? Because we actually do have influence over our thoughts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really true. things in life that we don't have control over. We actually, with practice and discipline, and it's slippery and it's hard, sure, but we have control over our thoughts. Yes, it is it's quite amazing when we really realize how empowered we are.
Now, switching gears here, you almost died twice. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I've had some occasions where where things got a little bit crazy, and and the, I think there's a kind of there's yeah, <laughs> there, not that I ever want to, and again, I don't ever want to be a thrill seeker. And in fact, right. I'm almost risk adverse, which seems counterintuitive. But you know, I'm a risk manager, not a risk taker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said. Uh, you get into circumstances that go a little squirrely. And I've had a couple of occasions where um, there's kind of two kinds of, I think, danger in that regard when it comes to outdoor adventure. The one is one that builds over time where you've made a collection of maybe not bad decisions, but not the Mm -hmm. best decisions. And it leads you into a certain, not unlike life, right? You have that extra drink, you eat that thing, you stay out a little longer, you know, and all of a sudden it's two in the morning and you're doing things that you regret. Is there (laughs) one thing in particular? No, but it started at four o'clock that day and it led to now 2 a.m. and you've got a whole bunch of trouble on your hands. Adventure accidents are not unlike that. You're making a collection of bad decisions. Then there's that kind of situation where you're climbing and for whatever reason, it's a rock is dislodged above you and this basketball sized boulder rips past your face three inches from your head, oh misses gosh. you. And otherwise it would have you know, taken your head off. Um, you know, that's wow. That was a close, close brush with death. We have that driving in our cars on the highway, don't mm-hmm. we? Sure. Someone's texting and we're swerve in front of us and we realize, wow, that could have been it. The, 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 so I've had a bit of both of those things and primarily uh, at altitude with uh, high altitude uh, cerebral and pulmonary edema mm-hmm. for your listeners, just oh, fluid, uh, as you know well, but fluid mm-hmm. pooling in your, in your lungs and, and, and swelling in your brain, which then renders you incapable of, of thinking clearly and in fact moving over time and then you succumb to hypothermia and die. And I've gotten closer to that than I'd ever want to repeat. Wow. Wow. And that's, and once again, that's, that's something that many people will never experience, but you know, people can understand and like in their own, you know, like you said, texting and driving people have been in positions like that. Once again, it goes back to those existential questions. Oh my gosh, I almost died or just even the reflection of what did I do to get me here? <laughs> you know, sometimes we have life that just happens. People go through a divorce, a heartache, a, um, you know, laid off from their job, bankruptcy, all of that. And when we look in that moment, we have the existential question, how did I get here? How did my life get here? And so you proactively putting yourself in positions, of course, you don't want to have these existential questions all the time, but to be in that position really helps you look at life in a way that helps you understand what really matters, the significance and the power of what we say, what we think matters upon reflection, many of these things don't. And so I think when we have that aha moment of what is the meaning of my life right now, or how did my life become this way, it really puts things in perspective to say all of this or all of that really doesn't matter. So help me retweak my life and reassess the, the value that I put on things in my life. So it sounds like for you, you've broken that chains of mediocrity. You've overcome so many things. I know you're, this is such an inspirational story for me as well to be able to reflect on my own life to say, all right, James, let's, let's revamp this. Let's maybe look at some different areas in your own life that don't have the value that you originally thought they had. And, and, and thank you for that. And, and I think you're right. I wish I could say it was all by design. I'm very lucky that it's been a fortunate that it's been through the experience of climbing and it's offered me so much 
uh, opportunity to, to think like that. And, and, and always to do, I became very analytical in terms of when things didn't go well, largely mm-hmm. because I fail so much. I know, I mean, I tried Everest four times, made it to the summit twice. You know, I'm only batting 500. Uh, I guess depending on where you're playing baseball, sure. it's pretty good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I went there the first time and didn't make it. It was heartbreaking. And I was just struck with, well, well, well why didn't we make it? Mm. And to your point, asking those questions. And I think it's about two kinds of questions, too. There, are, It's understanding the difference between, well, there were circumstances beyond my control, weather, sure. teammates. Uh, politics of the region. There's a lot of things beyond our control. And we need that category and we need to understand it because, right, moving forward, okay, how do I anticipate this better? How do I create a little extra time or money inside the budget to accommodate for these weird things that are good, these black swans that crop up that we can't control? But then not getting hung up there. I find myself kind of getting comfortable uh, explaining my failures away with external factors. Because it stops me from having to really look hard sure. at what my piece of it is. So I, I break it into two categories. External like factors that. beyond my control, because those need to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. But I have a second category that if I'm not disciplined, I won't even fill up. I, I leave it blank. I'm like, oh, well, here are all the other problems. It's not my fault. And I go, no, no, no. What's your piece in this? And then going through that, taking a look at that, I'm going, okay, hey, I'm not, and this isn't about assigning blame or pointing the finger or beating yourself up. It's about discovery. It's about information, data, knowledge, exactly. wisdom. It's about learning. Failure mm-hmm. to me is the greatest professor on the planet. It's, <laughs> it's really, really the only teacher I pay attention to. Seemingly. Yes. And my because there's always that. a lesson and everything yeah. we do, there's always a lesson and a reframe for that. Always. Let the emotion pass, the hurt, the disappointment, the heartache of, of the failure, the setback, and feel it. Because I think mm. for me anyway, I have to feel it. If I pretend it crops up elsewhere, it bugs me, you know, months later, I yes. got to feel it. I got to yes. feel it. If this felt bad, I got to feel it. And then I can let it go. And then like, okay, that bad feelings are gone. Now, what the heck went on here? <laughs> okay, change, move forward. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, Jamie Clark, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. You've been absolutely marvelous. So thank you for sharing your inspirational wisdom with us, your, your life adventures, and really helping us put our own life in a different perspective. So thank you once again. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and all the amazing things you're doing about your companies, about your books, all those other things, where do they find this information online? Yeah, and thanks for offering that. I'm a big believer in, in uh, you know, not just climbing mountains and, and frozen waterfalls, but getting everybody outside. The whole mission of my company and my life is about getting the world outside because I think outside, just movement, just going for a walk is where yes. we find greater happiness, health, and, and creativity. So my business is really about that. I have a, a Twitter account, uh, JC underscore climbs, uh, a website, my own, uh, liveoutthere.com. Excellent. Well, Jamie, thank you once again for being a guest with us today. Thanks, James. Keep up, keep doing this, man. This is uh, great stuff. I, 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 and I'm sure many others appreciate your effort. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Bye now. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise in this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.